welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. You are listening to the Financials Edition, filmed today on Monday, August 1st, 2016. My name is Gabby LaPera, and joining me in the studio are Mark Reith and Jason Moser, who need no introduction, but I can introduce them if they want. I'll always take an introduction. I was just say, give me, you know, <laughs> get the people excited. What do you have to say about us? Um, Mark Reith is sporting this season's woolly beard. Thank you for that. There you go. <laughs> and hat. Um, he's funny sometimes, and I'm really excited to have him on the show. Great to be here. <laughs> Jason Moser I've never actually had on the show, so I'm going to be a lot nicer to him. But I'm also Oh, you see how that works. Yeah, oh yeah, this is All the last right. time I'm on the I show. It. It's great. I get it. I like that. Um, Jason Moser, thank you for joining us. Thanks Mark for having Ray. me. You too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this week on Industry Focus is Pop Culture Week, which we are very excited about. Um, I'm excited to see what Christine Hardis talks about because she doesn't know anything about pop culture. <laughs> Pretty sure she doesn't know who Matt Damon or Ben Affleck are, and if she presented with both, could not tell them apart. That's a damn shame. She probably would still ask them for their number, though. <laughs> so would I. I mean, come on. <laughs> um, so we were, we thought that for financials this week, um, what we could do is we could listen to some pop songs, some some popular culture songs, because I don't know that any of them are actually still popular anymore. <laughs> but songs, sounds like you know about as much about pop culture as Christine Hargis does. Songs that were once popular Great. that I had heard of. Um, they live a much shorter life these days. <laughs> Um, and then uh, just talk about whether or not they give good or bad financial advice. So I think just to open up, um, I think that what I'm going to do here is I'm going to read lyrics to you because, as mentioned in our pre-production meeting, which was two minutes ago, we don't have enough money to actually buy clips to play <laughs> of the songs for you. So we will. So we will just be reading them and self-censoring them if necessary. Self-censoring. I like that. I'm yeah. not very trouble good at ahead. That, yeah. Yeah. Well. Um, just, yeah, bear with me. Ready? <clears throat> I knew my rent was going to be late about a week ago. I worked my tuckus off, <laughs> but I still can't pay it, though. But I got just enough to get up in this club. Have me a good time before my time is up. Way to stick to what Pitbull really meant there. You know, <laughs> the, you, you got the message across. I think Pitbull would be proud. So, just in case you've never heard of this song, this is Time of Our Lives by Pitbull and Neo. Um, Way to get that reference, Mark Reith, and or read the notes. So, I mean, if he <laughs> knew his one. rent was going to be late a week ago, I right. mean, this guy is obviously not very good at planning for the future, right? He's already in the water at this point. He, I mean, might as well just go out. It makes sense to me. <sighs> you Listen. know what? I mean, my girls are listening to this stuff on the way to school, sure. and I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to second thoughts here. I mean, I, I don't know that, I mean, this doesn't seem like it has. Maybe he's working his ass off, but I don't know that, that if you don't have the money to pay your rent, does it really matter? He's telling you to live your life. He's telling you not to be just chained to your wallet at all times. I think he's just trying to say money doesn't buy happiness. But what I'm actually more concerned about is the last line that I read, which is, have me a good time before my time is up. A little bit ominous. Sounds mm. like he might have medical bills to pay as well. Mm. Mm. Distinctly possible. You should pay those first. Well, you should pay your rent first. What do you What do you, what do you pay first, I guess? Well, I, I Pay yourself, you know? I think uh, you better pay the rent or the mortgage, or else you're not going to have any place to sort of have those dreams mm. about uh, your aspirations and whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. That's I mean, at least pay the rent or the mortgage. You got to have a roof over your head. Sure, sure. And uh, just for actual financial advice for this show, uh, it's common uh, knowledge to spend twenty-five to thirty-five percent of your income 
on rent. Sure. But that's not always feasible. Uh, yeah, that's especially a rule of thumb. It's a rule of thumb, but here in you know the Washington D.C. area, one of the most expensive housing markets out there, you can't always make rent. No, yeah. but you always want to go clubbing. Sometimes you sometimes <laughs> yeah. you need a couple thumbs worth of rules. Um, mm. Mm. Definitely pay your housing bill first would be the second thumb rule. I think also if you think of I mean, you, you talk a lot about rent versus own and I think for a long time maybe 2000 the early 2000s into 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 the middle 2000s where it seemed like everybody was taking advantage of the the low interest rates and trying to buy a home but buying and owning a home isn't necessarily always the best option hmm. for people out there I mean it it the way today works I mean as, as far as as uh, the employment picture I mean it, you can work off location, so to speak, and I mean, you're probably not at the same job for uh, as long as maybe was the norm a decade or two ago, and right. so it's kind of helpful to be able to say, "Well, I've got this new offer somewhere else. I can just pick up and move, and yeah. I don't have to worry about selling a house or buying a house because there's a lot of money that's wasted in that process, unfortunately. Um, so sometimes renting actually could be the better way to go. Well, okay, so I I rent personally. I don't see myself becoming a house homeowner anytime in the near future. It's just, you know, how my financial situation is and it's also being a part of that generation that you just talked about about. Sure. You know, I, I value mobility and mobility comes with not putting down my roots by buying a home, but of course there's the security that comes with buying a home. I mean, you're a homeowner. I have yeah. to imagine a large portion of your wealth either now or at one time was tied up into your home. And you can rely on that for future expenses. If you know push came to shove, you could always sell your home and take that money back. So I I see where you're coming from, and it's certainly renting is definitely something I see myself doing for a very long time for a variety of reasons. But there are definite advantages to being a homeowner as well. Sure, and you made a very good point there in with the word value, mm-hmm. and I think that goes back to what you mentioned, Gabby. In that money doesn't necessarily buy happiness. It is a matter of what each individual really values in their life, what stage of life they're. In. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, fortunately, we live in a country where you can have a number of dif- different choices at your disposal. So definitely, I think that just to kind of sum up the point, make sure that you pay your rent and/or mortgage. <laughs> I like that. It <laughs> seemed like a good point. We give real advice here, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and if you are going to move in less than three years, then maybe choose to rent because mm-hmm. you're going to lose a lot of money on closing costs otherwise. That's for sure. Um also millennials tend to move around a lot. I think that was those were all the major points that we covered for that song. Thank you Pipple and Neo for inspiring that deep conversation. <laughs> oh Pipple. <laughs> so next we move on to um Billionaire by Travis McCoy and Bruno Mars. Would one of you gentlemen like to do the honors? I think you should sing it this time. I actually I think you should sing it. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't Thanks, Jason. Want, yeah, you should yeah. sing it. We want people to listen to these. Billionaire by Travis McCoy and Bruno Mars. <clears throat> I'd probably pull an Angelina and Brad Pitt and adopt a bunch of babies that ain't never had blank. Give away a few Mercedes like here, lady, have this. And last but not least, grant somebody their last wish. Billionaire. So Yeah. Oh, that was like spelling bee like. I kinda liked that. Mm-hmm. Um so there's a couple of different parts of me here. Part part of me is like, man, I don't know how you became a billionaire, but you should definitely diversify and put some of that money in bonds, yo. <laughs> and then another part of me is like, oh, that's so nice. You want to help people. What do you guys think? I just think that was a great diversify yo bonds shout out, uh, since this is the kind of show we're doing. Well, I can certainly talk about uh, giving away uh, a Mercedes. Well, it wasn't a Mercedes, but I actually just gave away my car, my old car, to uh, charity. Uh, I got a new car a couple of weeks ago, 
And last week, I ended up donating my old car to Wheels for Wishes, which is associated with the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Um, so I certainly stand behind the idea of charitable giving. I think you get a lot from it, both you know from an ethical and moral perspective. But there are also obvious financial benefits as well. I'm going to get you know, a little bit off my taxes this year, hopefully, uh, when they sell that car and I get a receipt for it. It's a it's a junker, but I, I hopefully will get something out of it. Um, there's also you know you can always people always forget this. You can donate stocks to charities. You can you can I make. I did not know that. Yep, absolutely. Uh, you can donate stocks um, and it helps. I think it actually completely eliminates. Maybe you know this, Jason. Completely eliminates the capital gains tax. I am no tax expert, okay, Mark. Right. So that I'm going to defer. Really sneaky, if that's the case. It is. I mean, you're still giving away money, but there is something to be said about again, kind of avoiding that capital gains tax and hopefully making somebody's day with a charitable donation. So that's again something people always forget about. But stocks are. Just as donatable as a car. Sneaky, maybe, but you know, I've always had this idea that I mean, we espouse long term investing here at The Fool. We talk about holding these businesses for three, five, ten years, even longer. Um, I would be on board if, if we said so, so, capital gains wise, if you've owned shares in a particular business for five years or longer. Then I would think, hey, let's just wipe out any exposure to capital gains tax altogether. Right, and and you can alter it on the other side there as well, so that if you're if you're selling before five years is up, perhaps your short term capital gains exposure is greater than it is currently today. But I think that would certainly promote um, the the at least the benefits of of owning of longer term investing, like we talk about here. I think that'd be kind of uh, an interesting one to at least debate mm-hmm. the pros and cons. If you were a huge jerk, you could also unload some like Solar City or something. Well, neither Jason nor I are huge jerks. So <laughs> we would never do that. And I don't own any Solar City, so <laughs> could a charity just be like, nah? <laughs> <laughs> no, you can do I, do I really want Container Store right now? Oh, yeah. Nah. <laughs> Um, okay, you guys feel good about that? I do. I think uh, I, I, I think it's it's. You always think about it. if I ran into this big windfall of money. I mean, if I all of a sudden woke up tomorrow and I had five million dollars, what would I do with it? And maybe five million isn't the best example, but I mean, regardless, I think it's it's important to recognize that it's a big world. We've got a lot of things going for us here. It feels good to help when you can, and. Uh, I think as long as you can approach life from that perspective, it, uh, it kind of helps helps you make better decisions. Yeah, and building on point number one, make sure you can pay your rent and then help others. Right. Maybe don't adopt a bunch of babies, but you can always give away a Mercedes. <laughs> to Mark Reith. <laughs> that was Brad. That was, that was Travi McCoy and Bruno Mars. I know. Um, right. If you want, if you want to give away a Mercedes to Mark Reith, it's mreith at fool dot com. There you go. <laughs> uh, so. I think that most people, when they think of um, rap stars, rap pop pop icons, people who make popular music, <laughs> they they think of people who perhaps don't give the best advice. They're they're saying drink some some really nice champagne mm-hmm. when you know box champagne would work just as well to celebrate your major occasion. For they, shizzle, do they make box champagne? You would know if they don't. Yeah. They should. Business idea. <laughs> Here's your next million dollar <laughs> idea right there. Yeah. Um, but there, there are some some songs that give good advice, I think. Anyway, um, and I think that the 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 song that comes immediately to mind for me is um, Macklemore's Thrift Shop. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> for our listeners who haven't heard it, I'm gonna pop some tags. Only got twenty dollars in my pocket. 
I, I, I'm a hunting, looking for a come up. This is F bomb intensifier. Awesome. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and later on in the song, he goes on to say, they be like, oh, that Gucci, that's hella tight. I'm like, yo, that's $50 for a t-shirt. Mm-mm. I see where he's going with us. I'm currently many. wearing a thrifted t-shirt right now. Thank you, Haley Douglas, for giving me this shirt. Um, it cost me $0. So I am totally on the thrift store bandwagon with Macklemore. <laughs> I'm right there as well. I think a thrift store would actually be a step up for my fashion (laughs) statements here. I've got a free Motley Fool shirt on. I've got a hat I stole from some kid in college. These shoes, I had a coupon for them, and they were on sale. Uh, So, yeah, I'm definitely living that thrift store life. Jason Moser, you're looking classy in this button down. See, that's funny because I, so I I have a, I I used to work in, um, I used to work at a bank in an insurance company where I had to actually wear, Real clothes hmm. to work, like suits and ties and stuff, and so I, it's it's very easy for us to <laughs> to speak this way because we don't have a dress code here, and you really actually can can just dress however you like to dress, and and, and I think uh, yeah, for me, especially when we had kids, I started to recognize. There's a lot of money that people burn on things like clothes when you don't necessarily have to. So mm. I, I look at things like Old Navy today, uh, with with you know I, to me that's just a greater option. It's not it's not an alternative I necessarily would have thought about perhaps a decade ago. But but Old Navy gets a lot of our money today. Baby clothes. I mean, mm. gee whiz, when you're raising kids, I mean they keep they just grow so fast you can't well keep burning them. The money, so you go yeah. to those uh, consignment sales where mm. you. I mean, sure they're clothes that are used there but half of them haven't been used because the baby never got to wear them because they you know grew too fast so uh, yeah clothing is one of those things that i like that yo that's 50 dollars for a t-shirt that's insane that's yo. insane yeah i mean absolutely i mean i get you know dress for the job that you want obviously the job i want is hobo but you know you gotta <laughs> dress for the job you want i personally whenever i'm not dressed like this i only shop sales. If I needed yeah. a button down or anything like that, I'm a huge sales shopper. It's all I do. Black Friday, I think we've talked about that on Market Fuller in the past. Uh, one thing that's actually come up recently regarding uh, sales is Sports Authority. You guys see that Sports uh, Authority yes. uh, was, went bankrupt and had its going out of business sales, and everybody hears that and says, "Oh, it's going to be you know rock bottom prices. This is a great time to go visit Sports Authority and get you know those shoes that cost two hundred for a hundred now. Let's say as a random example. The problem is people forget that those stores, those companies are still looking to make as much money as possible. Of course, especially when they're going bankrupt, they need as much money as possible." So, in the case of Sports Authority, they hired a third party to kind of manage their bankruptcy. And this third party came in and jacked up the prices at Sports Authority shows or stores, excuse me, before the sale. And then when the sale hit, the prices went back down to almost exactly where they were before. So, people have been freaking out about this. This happens all the time. Sports Authority just got caught. You just you need to do your research. I think if there's anything that comes out of this entire show, it's do your research before you make any you know serious financial purchases or decisions, even as far as shopping for sales. I thought the charitable stock giving was sneaky, but that's way sneakier. <laughs> way sneakier. It's a sneaky world out there, Gabby. Yeah. I mean, I just want to say that I I did a good portion of my shopping at Goodwill for a long time, and you could find brand names too. I think that that's one of the things people think that you go in there and you can only find those dresses that your third grade teacher wore on them that were kind of like jumpers with like cats playing with balls of yarn on them. That's all I get from there too. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, <laughs> I, I get the Under Armour. That's Mark wears the dresses. Mm-hmm. Um, so, to reiterate our points, pay your rent, 
give charitably, live frugally, and, you know, give to charity shops where other people can buy your Under Armour. <laughs> Nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. Fiscal responsibility for the win. <clears throat> so, the next song we have on our docket is an oldie but a goodie. It was once popular and maybe will be again. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Money, Money, Money by ABBA. Um Anyone, anyone? Speaking of an oldie but a goodie, Jason Moser. Oh. Would you? Do you oh, have the lyrics in front of you? I'll I do, listen. yeah. Give it a I'll shot. Try this one. I work all night, I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Ain't it sad? And still, there never seems to be a single penny left for me. That's too bad. That is too bad. Isn't it? Hmm. It's kind of a sad story. How, how can we prevent this situation? I feel like I've been there before, oh, at least once or twice. Been there, done that. Um,. So I just, it seems that way sometimes, though, doesn't it? I mean, I, yeah. I guess it uh, it definitely can feel that way. I mean, we were talking to uh, areas where the rent is particularly high, mm-hmm. and and that you know living expenses can take take up a lot of the paycheck. And obviously, you are paying taxes and insurance and all sorts of other things that you have no real control over whatsoever. And it can certainly feel like at the end of the day that there is no money left for you in that check. I think the one thing I would take out of this is because you. Get that check, and all of those things are already taken out before you really have anything to to say about it. Go ahead and just pile on there, and and make sure you're you're contributing to your 401k plan or whatever kind of retirement opportunity your employer uh, is is offering, because it's very easy to get that paycheck and then say I just don't have enough to contribute to my savings account or whatever. Mm-hmm. Have it done for you automatically. You you really I feel like if you get a job, then you should be required to opt out of the four hundred one k as opposed to opting in. I that think that would be um, better for everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I it, it's not about the freedom. I think you should have the freedom to choose. But I think from the perspective of the employee, it's a far easier decision to make. I think they typically don't opt in because they're kind of lazy and and don't want to deal with it. No, and absolutely. opting out would be the same thing. It would require some work and initiative on the individual's part, and they're probably just going to be like, eh, I'm good, whatever. It's still your money. It's just being put away for you well, to save you for a rainy day. There's that obscene figure that's floating around that one in three Americans have $0 saved for retirement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really scary. Yeah. I mean, I don't even understand how that's possible. But... There are three of us at this table. Who is it? <laughs> I'm just going to say, it's me. It's clearly me. Look at my outfit. It's clearly me, guys. I'm spending all my it's money on clothes. It's Tubbo Chic. You and um, Mary-Kate and Ashley can all hang out. and. Yeah, me and the Olsen girls yeah. get together, talk about our fall line. I will say that uh, that if the ladies of ABBA were dating Pipple and Neo, um, maybe they wouldn't be going out to the club and spending mm-hmm. all their money. Mm-hmm. Perhaps not. Yeah. No, to Jason's point, I think paying yourself uh, first and foremost makes a lot of sense. Another takeaway from this I had was uh, budgeting. Uh, budgeting is hugely important. It was something I absolutely Struggled with uh, for a very long time. Uh, we, you know, we talked about rules of thumb earlier, or rule of thumbs, if you're Gabby Lapera. And one of them is the 50 20 30 uh, rule of thumb. It's just it's a common way of looking at your budget every month. 50% of your income every month goes to fixed costs like rent. Uh, 20% goes to your financial goals like a 401k or retirement or even maybe a vacation. And then 30% is more flexible spending. So you know, gas, groceries, whatever comes along that month, and whatever you have left over, you put back into that 20%, those financial goals. So, I absolutely agree with Jason. First things first, you got to pay yourself, uh, and and budgeting is an easy way to make that happen. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think we covered that sufficiently, so we're going to move on to uh, Gold Digger by Kanye West, which has one iconic line (laughs) of a financial advice. 
if you ain't no punk, holla, we want prenup. We want prenup. Yeah. Exactly. That's how the song goes. It is how the song goes. <laughs> it's a great song. So, um, so prenuptial agreements. This mm. is this can be a hotly contested topic amongst couples, um, but it's something you guys should definitely talk about before getting married. Um, neither Mark nor I are married. Um, not to pry into your financial <laughs> personal life. That's okay. Pry away, <laughs> Jason. I'm an open book. No, I think uh, it, it. You know, my wife and I. Um, neither one of us came from obscene wealth so we didn't have the need for something like a prenup because we both kind of came to the marriage with us and our futures Mm -hmm. um but yeah i think that uh i mean i guess the rough statistic is that one out of every two marriages ends up failing and for whatever reason that may be uh it seems like divorce is just kind of uh standard in in our society Today and I think a prenup. I think maybe it's just the best way to look at a prenup is to say it doesn't necessarily have to favor one versus the other. But what you could, if you could figure out a way to frame this with your significant other and saying, "Hey, listen, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's that if for some reason this doesn't work out, some slimy, no offense, lawyer out there isn't going to make obscene amounts of money off of us because we've already kind of laid the framework out from the very beginning. Because if you're getting divorced, then I mean, you think about it, the lawyer has all the incentive in the world to try to drag this thing out as really as long as possible. Yeah. Hmm. And not to be a pessimist, but I think it's something like 60% of US marriages end in divorce. Um, That's so just a lot. Better safe like than sorry. I'll say uh, I'm getting ready to hit. 15 years in December? 15 years. So I feel like we've uh, been through a lot. But I mean, you know, thankfully, we just didn't have that situation where we had neither one one of us had anything really to defend. And um, I'd like to think that after 15 years, we'll shoot, we've probably got it figured out to the point where we can kind of make it the rest of our lives. But sounds like anything is possible, right? Uh huh. We'll get a little post up. Just so you know, oh, that's actually also a thing, postnuptial agreements. Oh, just in case you're curious. Um, and just in case you're curious, Jason, the 15th anniversary gift is Crystal. That is uh, good to <laughs> Mrs. know. Mrs. Moser, Gabby, I hope and, you're listening. You know, I, <laughs> you know I appreciate that. And Austin will edit that happily out. edit that out. I'm sure. Either that or I'll just tell my wife to not listen to <laughs> right. Industry Focus this week. <laughs> um, yeah, prenuptial agreements, good thing to talk about, even if you're not super wealthy. Worth worth a thought. Um, also, astounding number of people don't talk about finances at all before they get married, and yeah. you know, maybe you guys have very different spending habits, and that's something you should talk about. How do you feel like when you guys grew up? Uh, do you feel like as a child your parents were open with you about money and things like this, or do you feel like they felt like it was a taboo subject that didn't really? I think it fell into in that category of, of why would I talk about it? It's, right. it's like politics or religion. You don't talk about it, especially with your kids, at least yeah. for my folks. Though credit where it's due, when I started, you know, becoming more aware, you know, start doing all the things you teach a little kid about money with, you know, allowances and budgeting and stuff like that. Um, yeah, they're they're always open. My dad was the first one to get me into investing. You know, he kind of taught me, you know, paper trading uh, over on Yahoo Finance. Um, I never knew much about my parents' financial situation, only that I had a roof over my head and didn't really want for anything growing up, which was more than enough for me. Um, It was never a deep dive into, here's how much we make, 
here's what we're doing with it, here's how this affects you, which I actually think would have probably been very beneficial for me growing yeah. up. Again, I, I said before, I struggled with budgeting for a long time. I think seeing my parents do it and knowing you know, what they had to do uh, would have helped a lot. Is that something you do with your daughters? Uh, I, I do, yeah. And I mean, I was going to say the reason why I do it is because my mom and dad were pretty open with stuff like that when I was growing up. Hmm. And um, I mean, it, it was never like I wasn't doing their taxes or anything, but I mean, it was, you know, we just understood kind of where money went every month. There was insurance, there was a mortgage payment, there was clothing, there was food and all the stuff. And you got to kind of recognize it at all. It's not just like magically there. And, and so that my wife and I just sort of talked to our daughters. And just sort of frame it like our household is like a business, mm-hmm. and so every month we have expenses that you know the business incurs, and this is how we pay for those expenses, and then we take some that's left over and all that good stuff, and you know we're helping them with savings accounts, and they have they have their little investment accounts, which is pretty cool, and and again the idea is that when they're old enough, they they won't be stuck wanting that knowledge or needing that knowledge. They'll at least have kind of the background to. Move forward and and then sort of do what they decide to do. Yeah. How about had, you, Gabby? I had a very similar experience to what your daughters are apparently experiencing right, right now. Um, <clears throat> my parents uh, gave open a credit card in my name very early to help me build credit. Um, my first Excel spreadsheet ever was made by me and my father. <laughs> God, <laughs> Proud moment for him. The nerdiest <laughs> sentence I've ever heard. <laughs> was your stocking stuffed with FICO scores? <laughs> <laughs> but we, we talked about budgeting. Um, my parents are also from South America, so okay. one of the things with them was um, they always had like a pretty big like kind of hoard that they had. The emergency reserves were always really big in my house. Um, everything from like actual like bank accounts um, to what we call the Closet del Golpe, which translated to English is the coup d'etat closet, which also still has French in it. So, <laughs> um, doesn't really carry over, but I get it. Okay. Um, but I had no, like, I still remember the first time I went to someone's house and I was like, oh, wait, you don't have a pantry full of like canned goods just in case the government gets taken down? Um, Things happen. I was going to say, I mean, you having never know. had, uh, I've lived out of the United, outside of the United States for extended periods of time, and it's, there are, we are a very uh, unique here. Yeah. I think the yeah. rest of the world is is a unique place too. Hmm. Yeah, my parents are. They came here in the '80s, so they were very much shaped by their experiences sure. before that. Um, but they were always all about fiscal responsibility and budgeting and understanding how credit works. And my mom worked for Fannie Mae, so like I got oh. to talk about mortgages well, starting from hey. a very young age. Fun dinner table talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so you should much. have no trouble buying houses when you're ready to buy houses. <laughs> right, there you right? go. Yeah. So. On to the fiercest lady of all time, Beyonce, and her song, Bills, Bills, Bills. Mm. Um, Jason Moser, I would love to hear you read this. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Give it some sass. <laughs> now you've been maxing out my card. Card. Gave me bad credit. Buying me gifts with my own ends. Haven't paid the first bill. But you steady heading to the mall. Going on shopping sprees. Perpetrating to your friends that you be Ballin. That was good. I would watch that concert. That was fierce. That was solid. Um, <laughs> She's serious. Mm-hmm. So this this, this uh, speaks to a few different topics that we've already covered. One, uh, picking a good partner. Um, that kind of speaks to the prenuptial agreements. Uh, but it also it, it's here we we see some stuff about um, bad credit. So clearly Beyonce is on top of her FICA score. Mm-hmm. Checking it regularly on creditkarma.com. I'm not a shill for them. I actually just think they're a really great free service. Sure. Um, 
Now that I've said that, though. <laughs> no, no, you got to go use it. Creditkarma.com. <laughs> um, I don't know. What, what do you guys What do you guys think about this? I think I, I you made a good point. You got to keep an eye on your credit score. Um, again, not to <laughs> not to expose my own financial flaws uh, too thoroughly today, but I definitely didn't pay attention to my credit score for a very long time. Uh, and living in Washington D.C., as we mentioned earlier, is not cheap. And I learned that very much the hard way uh, when I came into some credit card debt for a couple of months there a little while back. Um, so it took me a while to to you know, uh, unbury myself from that. I think a lot of that could have been avoided if I was paying more attention, if I was looking at my FICO scores and my credit scores and my credit card in general, and not just hoping for the best. Uh, so yeah, I think Beyonce, like you said, she's on top of it, and uh, you should be too. I like also the idea here, going all the way back to the very beginning here, when you you were talking about money doesn't necessarily buy happiness, and it's this individual buying something for someone with that person's money thinking it's going to make her happy and really he's like making her doubly as angry because he's giving her something that she doesn't need and he's putting her in debt in the process so yeah also you know, i mean beyonce maybe should have thought twice about adding him as an authorized user on her credit card very good point yep absolutely very good point protect your identity protect mm-hmm. your financial resource and it's tough to do right we live in a credit-based mm-hmm. economy i mean there's nothing wrong with that it's just you have to understand how that works yeah um Credit Definitely. can be good. It just you just need to make sure you don't uh, overextend yourself. That's yeah. true. You need you need to have a credit card. That doesn't mean you need to go into debt. I think that's one of the most common misconceptions about how to build your credit scores. People think you should carry a balance from month to month, um, and really that doesn't help you. In fact, the credit the credit companies are looking to see that you're paying off your bill in full every month. Um, yeah. Credit where it's due to Beyonce. Oh, for some good financial advice. Oh Lord. Um, the last line of this is also interesting. Um, perpetrating to your friends that you be ballin', uh, harkening back to Veblen's conspicuous consumption. Liar. <laughs> theory. Sure. And what is that theory again? Uh, it's uh, in the most basic terms, basically, um, kind of keeping up in the with the Joneses, uh, hmm. buying stuff to make people think that you are. You you have ballin. social power, yeah. Yeah. That you're ballin. That's what Veblen said in the 1800s. Ballin. Is that you ballin? That's me ballin. <laughs> I'm throwing basketball. Um, um, this goes back to, to to our thrift store conversation. Um, being okay with hand me downs, frugality. Um, there's there's no there, there's no reason you can't be ballin while saving money. Ballin' on a budget, absolutely. Ballin' on a budget. Yeah, I, I mean, like that. Ballin' really is just a state of mind. Amen, brother. Yeah. Amen. I mean, wow. you could be balling by starting your own sort of trend, you know? Sure. I mean, it's very easy to follow along. It's much more difficult to stray from the path and start your own little thing. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. There's a lot there's a lot of wisdom here with Beyoncé. Well, it's Beyoncé, so. That's so true. Of course there is. She tells she tells women to be independent, and I agree with her. Mm-hmm. You go, girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so our last our last song, I would I would love to hear in Mark Reith's Resonant tones. If you could read it out for us, I'd be happy to. The song "Cream," the artist Wu Tang Clan. Cash rules everything around me. Cream, get the money. Dollar, dollar bill, y'all. Yeah, an unabashed ode to capitalism. Absolutely, and the Wu Tang Clan—they got it right. Cash does rule everything around me. Mm-hmm. I will say this, uh, Wu Tang Clan. You always got to diversify your bonds, but you also need to just stay out. I, so a lot of people, 
whom I know, uh, just rely on their savings account uh, and their checking accounts. As you said before, there's some horrible statistics about folks who just aren't planning for retirement at all and aren't taking advantage of the returns you can get uh, from your other options. So, savings accounts, checking accounts, you know, the best you're going to get there interest rate wise is 0.5%, something like that. Uh, the average return of the stock market is around 8% a year or so uh, annualized. Uh, so keep that in mind. You know, maybe cash does rule everything around you, but you don't have to keep your money in cash. You don't yeah. have to keep a, a box of cash under your bed or in a closet for, you know, coups. Yeah, no. Um. <laughs> box of cash sounds kind of nice, though. I mean, it I just, mean, don't get me wrong. If what's I had that? A bo- you box get my of box of cash. You could Scrooge McDuck. I just like looking at it every once in a while. Scrooge McDuck. Uh, that, we all know that it wasn't real. You can't dive into a, a vat of pennies like that, dude. Did you see that guy who free fell? I don't know how many thousands of feet without a parachute. I was over hearing. The I was listening to that this morning. Yeah, uh, set a world record. Imagine records. how Somehow much or another more that worked out. Baller that would have been if he. Dove into a pile of cash. That would have ended poorly, I think. <laughs> it would have ended for, very poorly for most people, including that guy. Um, but no, the the Wu Tang Clan. I think yes, physical cash, something that you should maybe consider not having a ton of on your person. Like what happens if there's a house fire, like eh, stuff like that. Um, but I think that it gets gets to the point, which is that you can't just rely on other people to take care of you hmm. all the time. Right, like you have to, you money ultimately can buy you some degree of happiness. There's a study showing that. I'm not saying that just to, just to be mean. <laughs> no, it can certainly buy you your independence and and give you your ability to make your own decisions and pursue your own interests in life. And and there is going to be a level of happiness associated with that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Cash rules everything around me. It's always money in the banana stand. <laughs> And on that note, thank you everyone for joining us. Thank you, Jason Moser and Mark Reith, for your critical insights into pop culture and financial literacy. Ballin'! <laughs> um, as usual, people on the program may have interests in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool have may, may have recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Contact us at industryfocus at fool.com or by tweeting us at MF Industry Focus. And thank you to y'all for joining us. Everyone have a great week.